You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadad. No dreams last night, so we're good. I, I will spare you a dream story, although I'm up bright and early, so there's going to be alarms interrupting us. I got to get that changed up to a cool song so that if, you know, on days like today where we get annoying alarms, at least we could bring back um, dance parties, which uh, the OGs to the show will remember that. Way back in the day, I used to get interrupted by my alarm every single day but there was a cool song and we would just break out into a dance party it was a good time it was it was it was funny but also a little disheartening that people would tell me that was literally their favorite part of my show it's like well i mean that's good but i don't i don't know if that's good <laughs> i i got complaints when uh, i got a new phone and that uh, that alarm went away what happened to dj galaxy my kid loved that Sorry, guess you'll have to settle for me talking about the Packers. <laughs> um, today we're going to kind of mix it up a little bit. A um, little bit of this, a little bit of that. First of all, the NFL has changed the overtime rules in the postseason. And um, there's a lot of opinions on it. The whole thing just seems dumb, but that's that's normal. Everything the NFL does is dumb. It's and I've, I've, I'm almost getting tired of saying it, but again, it, it's no different than anything else in life. Every time we see a problem and we try to fix it, we make stuff worse. And we, we don't ever acknowledge that. We refuse to accept that we're just creating new problems. We're not fixing the problem. Same with now we have to hire women in certain positions or whatever it's like you got okay just listen i understand that this is going to make you feel good and you think that this is a great pr move but you understand this isn't fixing anything right you understand that this isn't solving any problems in the world you understand you're not doing anything good for mankind for women for the nfl for individual teams none of that nothing is getting better right this is just a hey guys look at me and how great i am type of move you get that right on top of all the additional bureaucracy that comes with that, and then on top of that, you're creating situations in which teams can now get in trouble for not actually doing anything wrong because you're not following our nonsense rules that we just keep making up in an effort to just fix the world one little crazy thing at a time. I, I don't understand it. So now we get this overtime thing in an attempt to fix what? Well, the problem was we had overtime. And the way it used to be is the first team that scores wins and people complain, which, by the way, this is part of the reason, too, why everybody complaining about this and saying we should go back to the way things were is annoying because it's like, this is your fault. We're here because you complain about everything and you complain 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 and then the NFL fixes it and then you complain about that. When the NFL gets worse and all the penalty flags, oh, there's, there's so many penalties. Why are there so many penalties? You're ruining it with the penalties because you complain about how the NFL gets everything wrong. And now you complain about there's too, many, too much ref interference. Anyways, so there was a complaint about how that's not a fair system. So they said, all right, we'll fix that. We'll give the other team a chance unless the first team scores a touchdown. If you give up a touchdown, then you suck and you lose. But if you give up a field goal, you suck a little bit less, and then we'll give the other team a chance. And if they score, then, then it, they get a field goal, then we keep playing. But if they get a touchdown, then they win. Okay. I guess that makes a little bit more sense. It gives the other team kind of a chance. But not. I mean, it doesn't really fix the problem. I, I think part of the problem is the NFL hasn't really identified at its core what the purpose of overtime is. What are we trying to accomplish? What is the actual goal here? If the, if the ultimate goal of overtime is nobody won and we have to pick a winner, then fairness isn't really the goal, right? The point is nobody won and we've got to pick one. And so ultimately, although people complain that, well, it's, 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 the problem is with uh, sudden death is that it just comes down to a coin flip, right? And that's, uh, that's ultimately what it is. Nobody won and we have to pick a winner and it comes down to a coin flip. And the, the team that wins the coin flip has the highest chance of winning. Right, exactly. So what? 
This isn't the game. The game was the four quarter, and nobody won, and now we just need to pick a winner. And it does basically come down to a coin flip. That's basically what it is. And we're fine with that, because that's all we're doing. But the NFL hasn't, they don't know what they're doing. That's kind of what they thought, and then everybody said, well, that's not fair. And then they decided, well, fairness has to play a part in it. And so then they start adding an element of fairness, but not really fairness, because it's still the team that wins the coin flip is most likely to win, because although defense plays a part of it, let's be honest, it's an offensive-driven lead. But then it's not really fair. Because it's still more likely that you get a touchdown or win if you get the first coin flip. So now they're saying, well, okay, well, now every team gets a chance to um, possess the ball. Let me just interject here with the, the rule. Let me read it. Approved 2022 playing rules and resolutions. NFL clubs adopted the following rule changes and resolution proposals today at the NFL annual meeting in Palm Beach, Florida. Approved 2022 playing rules summary. One. Where did two go? Anyways, one, by Indianapolis and Philadelphia amends Rule 16 to allow both teams an opportunity to possess the ball in overtime in the postseason. Three. (laughs) Oh, the NFL. Uh, I'm guessing they removed two. I don't know, but still, can we change it to two? I don't, it's bothering me. I'm turning into monk. (sighs) By competition committee, makes permanent... The free kick formation change implemented during the 2021 season that establishes a maximum number of players in the setup zone. Okay, well, that's interesting. Summary. By Baltimore, Buffalo, Philadelphia, and Tampa Bay amends the anti-tampering policy in regards to secondary football executive positions to allow the employer club to choose and retain a player personnel staff through the blah. Anyways, I don't think that's relevant. I mean, it's relevant. It's something else. It's not really what we're talking about, and I don't know what that means. So basically... If it's overtime and you score a touchdown and then the other, then the other team can still keep playing. And then if they score a touchdown, then it's back to sudden death. Now, again, we're kind of just extending out the fairness, but it's never going to be a hundred percent fair. Now the odds are you're going to be able to establish a winner in two drives. I mean, occasionally you get these crazy shootouts, in which case there's, there are going to be opportunities where you get these ridiculous shootouts where the score's, you know, 55 to 55 and it goes into overtime. First team scores a touchdown, second team scores a touchdown, third team scores a touchdown, or a field goal game over. And I don't, I don't know exactly how that works. If the, if the third team goes down and scores a field goal, is it over because it's basically sudden death all over again? And then is that not fair enough? Are we going to have to extend that? Because at the end of the day, why not? Because again, you have not established exactly what it is we're trying to accomplish here. Right now, you're just trying to extend out fairness. Which again, is kind of stupid because you're never going to make it perfectly fair. Other, uh, unless you get it to the point where we don't end a game until one team scores and the other team doesn't. With both teams having the opportunity to... Um, it's, it's like a... What is that? I think hockey shootouts kind of operate that way, maybe. When one team... So both teams get opportunities... And when one team scores and the other, the problem with that, though, is that could go on for a very long time. And, and maybe the, the reason that they're doing this in the postseason and not in the regular season, if I didn't mention that, which, again, seems completely stupid. Usually you start things in the preseason to test it. Then if it works out, you go into the regular season. And, and if you're going to withhold anything, you'd withhold the play because you want to make sure you get the playoffs right above everything else. But maybe their thought process is twofold. Number one, we want the ultimate fairness in the postseason. But the other bigger problem is this is going to run up against scheduling. It takes longer. So I don't know if this can work in the regular season because you'll have a game going on forever. Not exactly with this rule, but it will extend the game for a significantly longer period of time, potentially, which is going to cause problems again with scheduling because we just can't accept the fact that the game ended with a coin flip. I mean, I think the NFL was okay with that, but the fans were not because it's not fair. That's not fair. It's not fair. And I'll be honest, I was on the side of that for a long time, but at the end of the day, again, what is the point of this of, of, of the overtime? Are we adding an additional quarter or are we trying to end the game? And, and again, the fact that we got a bunch of games on Sunday and we've got noon games and after the noon games, we've got three o'clock games. So when the noon game ends in a tie, we need a winner so we can move on to the next games, period. After four quarters, the game is over. That's it. And if we keep bending to the will of the that's not fair crowd, it's never going to stop. Especially because the that's not fair crowd is, is always going to be the team that loses. And there's always going to be a team that loses. And it's never going to stop until they get a full quarter. Well, that's not fair. We would have won, but you, you, I mean, <laughs> again, it's the same reason why we have refs throwing flags every five seconds. Because, you know, somebody's 
wide receiver didn't make a catch, and the, the cornerback kind of tugged on him a little bit, and they're screaming about the referees not calling it. The referees keep missing everything. The referee, 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 referee. And now we got to live with referees interjecting themselves into every single play because you can't stop whining about how the referees are not perfect. And yet we all sit here and acknowledge that the thing that football was way better in the 90s when football players did whatever they wanted. There was much more contact. There was much more physicality. There was almost no referee interjection. We didn't have all these, you know, overtime issues. I'm sure there were people complaining about stuff, but the more we try to fix things, the worse things get. Nothing is getting better. Nothing. I can't think of a single thing that the NFL has implemented that has made anything better. I mean, even with the COVID stuff, all the COVID pot, what did it fix? What is one thing it fixed? Everybody still got it. It didn't fix anything. You created rules, you created policies, it got people in trouble, and everybody still caught COVID. And we still packed stadiums filled with tens of thousands of people just in, the, in an effort to make it seem like we care, but really we don't care. Stop pretending you care and let's just play a freaking game. Can we please do that? Stop gesturing to people that want you to gesture to them. Show me you care. No, stop showing those people you care and just play the stupid game, please. It's so exhausting. You're not going to change the world. Okay, I'm sorry. You're not going to end war. You're not going to end racism. You're not going to end any of these things. You're a freaking football game. You throw a football. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mother Teresa. You have fixed nothing. You can't even fix your own sport, your own game. And again, because a lot of people are going to say, well, why? You just, so just don't try? Well, yes, but you don't try because you suck at trying and you make everything worse. Again, how's the diversity hiring going? Do we have more minority coaches now than we did in the 90s? No. Why? We're trying. So what? You're either doing or you're wasting everybody's time. And the amount of effort and energy that goes into all this stuff, why don't you just focus on putting out a good product? Why do you have to tweak every little thing, trying to make everything perfect, and you just ruin everything? Just stop. Stop trying to fix overtime. Stop trying to fix the referees. Stop changing the rules every five seconds. Stop changing kickoffs. Stop changing kickoff returns. Stop changing what kind of helmets everybody has to wear. I mean, the helmets are another thing. You make helmets that are better at protecting people. Well, that'll fix it, right? No, it makes it worse. Why? Because by better protecting people, generally what you're doing is you're making helmets that make it so that you can't feel anything. So it doesn't hurt as much when you hit people, which encourages players to hit people. There is a, a football league out there that does not wear pads or helmets. Guess how much head trauma there is in that game? Almost none. You know why? Because nobody in their right mind would ram their head into somebody else's head when you don't have a helmet on. Because it's going to hurt a lot. But here's the thing. It, the helmet doesn't protect you from head trauma, or from, from brain trauma. The helmet protects your head from hurting when you hit stuff. The brain trauma occurs when something, when your head is in motion from running really fast, and then it comes to a complete stop, and then your brain smashes against your skull. That's the part that hurts your brain. The physical ouchie that you get is just your skull hurting from running into something. So by preventing the ouchie, we encourage the slamming, and the slamming causes the head trauma. So by making better and better helmets, we're encouraging more and more brain trauma. But again, this is our effort to try to fix things, and the more we fix things, the more we hurt things. And that football league that does not have helmets and things has very little injuries, because nobody is willing to actually subject themselves to massive amounts of pain. And they, I mean, they, they crush each other, but they do it in such a way that they kind of try to protect themselves, at least the vital parts of their body, like their head, their face. I'm not advocating getting rid of helmets, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, it's just an example of every time you try to fix something, you make it worse. And I keep saying that every single time. And all I'm saying with this overtime stuff, I, I ultimately don't care. And I get it. It's a, a, a move in the direction of fair, and that's nice. But it's not going to fix a single thing. It's, you're still going to have people screaming, that's not fair. You're going to have people screaming, I don't like this, I don't want this, and it does nothing. And the worst part about this is you're only doing this in the postseason. So you're going to make a rule change that's going to make people really unhappy. And it's going to decide... Who wins the Super Bowl and who doesn't? That seems like a really bad time to make a rule change. You're going to have a team that would have won with rules that just took place a week ago that are now going to lose. I mean, hopefully that doesn't happen in the postseason. It doesn't have to happen. But it certainly can, and that's not going to be great. I'm not going to be happy if that happens to the Packers. I'll be completely honest with you. If we get into the overtime and we actually win an overtime game for the first time ever, overtime goes in our favor, 
we get the coin toss, we win, we receive, we go down, score a touchdown, and then they score a touchdown, and da 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 da, and they end up winning. I don't know, man. It's unlikely, but I'm not going to be happy about that. And again, what what are we trying to do? What is the purpose? It's still not perfectly fair. Are we just going for fairness? Because you didn't go far enough if you want fair. If it's just about appease the fans, you failed. You will never appease the fans because somebody's going to lose and fans are not going to be happy about it. Taunting. Oh my goodness. Taunting is just the way. What what in the world are we doing with the taunting rules? And the thing is, the NFL gets crazier about it. There's no fan in the world that I'm aware of that wants this. So it's not about appeasing the fans. I don't understand what this is. Who wants this? The only thing I could think is they're afraid that this will... Uh, turn off advertisers, which even that I would be stunned considering the kinds of things advertisers would happily throw their product on. A guy waving as he scores a touchdown is going to, what, make Coca-Cola say, ew, never? So it's not advertisers. It's not the fans. Is it the coaches on the sideline are so angry? Is that what it is? You got Jerry up in the, in the box watching his, his team get taunted and says, I want that guy fined. I, what is it? Who are you helping? You're just creating rules where people get in trouble. And that's the problem with every single rule is you're just creating a bureaucracy which causes people to get in trouble for things that they should never get in trouble for because this shouldn't be a rule. So now we got fines getting thrown around for everything based on who you hire and how you hire and and what you do and how you run and make sure you don't look at them when you run away and don't tackle the quarterback the wrong way or they're going to throw a thing. (laughs) You're, You're ruining the game. It's football. Quarterback going to get hit. I know that you pay the guy $50 billion. I understand that. Oh, well. Oh, well. Football. Gonna get hurt. Suck it up. I mean, really, I love football, but Roger Goodell, and I understand it's the owners who are proposing in these things and voting on these things, so they're, they're just as much to blame. But Roger Goodell is a just, oh, I can't stand this guy. I cannot stand him. I cannot stand the system we're in where he runs this thing horribly. And the owners support him, and it just they, they just go round and round with all these horrible things that nobody wants and don't make any sense. Just stop. Just stop. Anyways, um, that is a, you know, once every four-month rant. Every time the NFL tries to implement something, it's the exact same rant. Every single time. And guess what? I'm right every single time. Because we've seen this before. This is how this goes. It's the same thing every time. Unfortunately, most people see it. Very rarely does the NFL implement any of these things and everyone goes, yay, thanks for fixing everything. It doesn't happen because most people realize this is stupid. This isn't solving any problems. Not with society, not with the NFL, not with the product on the field, none of it. None of it gets fixed ever. But we keep trying and we keep trying to fix things, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, in addition, um, there were rumors that uh, Lambeau Field was going to be host to some major event. I think a lot of people were excited that maybe it was the draft come to find out that Detroit was going to be hosting the draft and uh, Lambeau Field was going to be hosting a soccer game. The soccer game is between Man City, I'm guessing that's Manchester. I don't know why it's shortened to Man City. I've never seen that before. Maybe it's not Manchester. I don't know. Man City versus Bayern Munich. Yeah, it's Manchester City. There's also Manchester United, which is I think the one that I am more familiar with. Didn't know there were two Manchesters. But uh, just Googling real quick, because I know nothing about um, soccer, I Googled the 30 biggest soccer clubs. Manchester City is ranked sixth. Uh, Munich, I do not see on this list of top 30 biggest soccer clubs, but apparently it is a big soccer club. So um, big match. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. It seems odd to me. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's great for the city. It's going to bring in fans. I, I I don't know. I don't know how this got worked out. I guess it's it's something. I don't know. It just seems odd more than it. I mean, it's 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 great on the on the world stage. I mean, if if you think about it in terms of Lambeau Field landed a major match between two major clubs. Like it's it's in the United States. It's here in of all the places. That's pretty crazy. And I think if I was a big soccer fan, that would be like a big deal in my mind. But I'm not. And it just seems like I'm looking at Wisconsin, and I'm thinking how few people here know or care about soccer. And it's like, well, who's going to this? I mean, there's going to be some soccer fans here. There are going to be some people in Green Bay that are like, heck, I'll go check it out because it's a big thing and it's in my neck of the woods. Might as well check it out, I guess. But I I mean, maybe you're going to have a huge international audience fly out here. <laughs> this is sort of a, uh, if we're not going to play very many international games, here's how we can win some international fans. Bring them to us. And I could see that. I mean, you, you think about all the different stories of how 
you know, people became fans of um, of a football team. You know, Little Wayne became a big Packer fan because um, when the Packers played in the Super Bowl, it was down in New Orleans where he lived. And so they had a bunch of Packers cups and all these different things from when the Packers were in New Orleans. And so because he had Packer cups and stuff all around his house, he became a big Packer fan. You could absolutely see, you know, you, you don't know much about football, but you fly to Wisconsin with your your dad to go watch a soccer match and you see Lambeau Field and it's just a cool environment and you start getting interested in football. I mean, think about it. Do you think it's a coincidence that it's Manchester City, which is England, and Munich, which is Germany, the two cities that are hosting NFL football games this year? You think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. So these are two cities that the NFL is pushing and 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 wants there to be a uh, an uptick in NFL interest. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all for that reason, if nothing else, on top of just being kind of interesting. I mean, again, it seems weird because I don't know, I, I, I literally, I don't know anybody in my life that watches or is interested in soccer. I'm not saying there aren't people, I'm just saying, I don't know one. It's not a big thing here. So I, I'll just be interested to see, are they going to pack this stadium? And if so, is it, is it really going to be, because I, I know soccer fans are, are crazy. But, I mean, are, are we going to get 50,000 people flying from overseas to come watch this? I mean, it's going to be in July, so it'll be, it'll be nice weather. I mean, it'll be warm. It's not like people are flying to the frozen tent tundra, so it's not going to be, you know, a, a, a reason not to go. It'll be nice and warm here. If anything, it'll be a little hot. I don't know. I, I guess I'm more interested than anything, and I, I think from a strategic standpoint, I think the NFL wanted to work this out as, as a continued way to appeal to um, European fans especially in those two regions where the NFL is trying to expand. And it, it fell on Green Bay. Green Bay probably fought. For, I'm guessing this was open to a few stadiums and Green Bay probably fought. For, maybe it was Green Bay's idea, in which case it's kind of brilliant. If the Packers kind of spearheaded this on their own, again, brilliant. Because again, hey, if, if, we're gonna, if the NFL is going to make this happen and Roger Goodell is 100%, we are going to expand. And I'm the Packers. It's like, all right, how do we get these fans to like, uh, I don't have to go to England every single year. Just bring them to us, dude. Make this like a regular, uh, I mean, do this every single offseason. You know how sweet that would be? I don't know if the teams would be willing to do that, but I mean, you can mix it up. There's other teams. There's a heck of a lot of more England teams, at least. English teams, UK teams. I don't know how many German teams there are, but we don't have to go out there every year. Bring them to us every year. I kind of like it from that standpoint. But anyways, again, be interested to see what happens and how many people show up and where they all came from. Is it more local or international? I don't know. But needless to say, I think, most people were a little disappointed because, again, most American football fans could not care any less about soccer. So it's like, okay, wow, not interesting. Anyways, the only other little note that I wanted to add, I, I just, I saw this, so I wanted to to grab it because I just kind of chuckled to myself a little bit. Mike Clemens posted this, quote, and this is actually a quote within his tweet, it pains me to lose players like Devondre Campbell because we couldn't afford them under the salary cap, Falcons owner Arthur Blank at owner's meeting in Florida. This has got to be one of the more pathetic things I've ever heard. In an attempt to um, try to save face as a GM when asked about Devondre Campbell, rather than saying, yeah, good for the Packers for, uh, for picking him up, and he had a great year and all that stuff, I'm happy for him. He tries to play it off like he knew that they had a really great player, and they just couldn't afford to keep him. We signed him to a one-year, $2 million contract. I, I mean, there's no words for that level of stupidity. Again, I understand he's trying to save face. You can afford $2 million, bud. I promise you, you could afford to kept him. You did not have any desire to keep him. I know he was with Arizona in between. He went to Arizona on a one-year $6 million deal, which again, if you really wanted to keep him, you could have. And again, if you really knew that he was an elite player and wanted to bring him back, he was available on a one-year $2 million contract. You didn't choose to bring him back. You didn't want him back. And it's understandable to see why, because he didn't play very well for you. It's just, it's, I just, I saw that and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, oh man, we really wanted him. We just, you know, the salary cap, man, we just couldn't afford 2 million bucks to bring him back this past year. Why do you have to lie so unbelievably blatantly? Just take the L, dude. You let him go. And he was a star somewhere else. And it wasn't even a bad decision because he played like garbage for you. And then he went to Arizona for $6 million bucks, and he played like garbage for Arizona. It was a terrible pickup for them, even at $6 million. We got him for two, and he was a star. Again, this is the entire reason I'm nervous about regression this year. But I just... Arthur, dude, come on. Arrogant. <laughs> just so 
unbelievably error. I don't, I don't even know what the question was, but I mean, it's, it's insane to me to play it off. Like you, you, you always knew that he was this good. You just couldn't quite swing. Give me a break. First of all, your roster is garbage, absolute garbage. There is almost nobody worth keeping on that entire team. If you knew you had a top five linebacker, you're not going to let him go for five million bucks. And I don't know his contract situation. There's a slight possibility that this had something to do with, um, well, no, it's, it's, it's not a possibility. It's just, it's, it's absolutely not because that would have been his rookie deal. I was going to say, maybe they had it structured in such a way. No, he played four years on his rookie deal and they're like, nope, don't want him back. That was it. That was the whole story. And again, it was the right decision because he wasn't very good. He's a linebacker. You have linebackers on your team. And apparently he was going to get $6 million to go to Arizona. And if, if I was Arthur Blank, not that he makes those decisions anyways, but if I'm them, I'm saying goodbye, Devondre Campbell, have a great day. And I would see him go to Arizona for $6 bucks, play like garbage, and just chuckle like, you bunch of idiots, you hired that guy for $6 bucks. But it also just downplays what the Packers did. $2 million and turned him into a superstar. But again, to play it off like, ah, we knew, everybody knew like he was great, but just couldn't quite afford him. Shut up. <laughs> Stupid. I think Arthur just doesn't, he's an owner. He doesn't know what's going on. Probably the GM might've had a very different answer to that question. I don't know. Pains me to lose players like Devondre Campbell because we couldn't afford them under the salary cap. Just lying. And in such a stupid way. I don't know. I, th- I thought it, it, it was just so ridiculous. Now, sometimes we get a little annoyed or aggravated with um, some of the dumb things that people say that are Packers, whether it be Lafleur or Gutekunst or Mark Murphy, but that's on another level. Anyways, uh, gotta take a quick break here. First of all, I'm gonna put myself first here because it's my podcast and I do what I want. We did get to exactly 200 reviews on Spotify, which is awesome. That's kind of what I was shooting for. I forgot what we were at. It was like 180 something, 187, 185. I don't know. But thank you to everybody that left a review on Spotify. Greatly appreciated. If you haven't done that yet, if you could, that would be fantastic. Again, Spotify is kind of gonna be, Spotify is a big deal for me iTunes is still the major player in this because everybody has iPhones and Apple is basically like, you will use my stuff and only my stuff. And that sucks because they have a monopoly over everybody with an iPhone and everybody with an iPhone uses Apple stuff and Apple stuff is garbage. I mean, I'm sure your phone is great. I, you know, whatever. But iTunes is trash and I will not debate you on that. Spotify, however, has a better algorithm and is actually trying. They're really trying. They're implementing new features. They're doing all these different, they're actually trying to make it a good product. Not saying it is a good product, but they're working on it, spending a lot of money acquiring things, buying stuff, and I rank really high. And if Spotify were the major player instead of iTunes, I would be in a fantastic position. No, Spotify, I'm not talking. I'm, tr- I'm just talking about how great you are, and now you're giving me that. Uh, it's over there like, what did you say? What do you want me to look for, up, for, up for you, Guns and Roses, or what? I'm not talking to you, dummy. No, but Spotify is great. Um, <laughs> so if you're looking for a player, by the way, uh, I, I'm assuming you can get, of course you can get Spotify. Every single time I, I think I've ever heard, I, I don't see your show or I'm getting some kind of an error, it's always iTunes. Every single time. So if you're having some issues, try Spotify. And while you're there, if you wouldn't mind leaving me a review, that would be fantastic. Five stars would be appreciated. If not, then just don't, don't leave me a review. If you do have issues with the show, you can reach out to me directly. I promise I won't bite your head off, assuming that you have some level of you know, respect. I mean, if you start swearing at me and stuff, I'm probably going to be a little rude or at least sarcastic. Sarcastic is more my style. I'm really good at that. It's also just a better way to get back at people. Everybody always thinks the best way to get back at people is just to scream louder. It doesn't. Best way is to be sarcastic. I promise you it's better. What are we talking about? Oh yeah, uh, reviews. If you're on iTunes though and refuse to change, if you wouldn't mind leaving me a review over there, not that it does anything. I've done those campaigns. I didn't move an inch, but you know, maybe it'll help a little bit be appreciated. Anyways, uh, make sure you check out the um, GoFundMe for Drew over on Twitter, trying to raise money for him to get a seizure service dog. Also raising money for Jamie and Carter. They were in a head-on collision and were flight for life to the hospital. I haven't seen an update recently on how they're doing. Hopefully they're doing well. Cody, if you've got an update for us, um, let me know and I'll pass it along. Also, don't forget about a modernfrontier.com, place where you can buy yourself a big old box of meat. You got beef, you got pork, you got chicken. Speaking of chicken, it just dawned on me, one of the things I want to do very, very soon is just a whole chicken on the Weber. I've heard good things, I want to try it, and I'm going to do it, and it's going to be great. If you've done it, let me know. I know spatchcock is, is a very popular way to do it. I think I just want to do a whole chicken. So, that's what I'm going to do. 
Uh, by the way, thank you very, very much to uh, Stephen, Stefan, whatever, for the uh, pledge on Patreon. I'm going to say thank you also to Chris and Jason. If I haven't done that yet, I haven't said thank you, and I always forget because Patreon has been uh, pretty much at a standstill, which makes sense. It's the off-season. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying it means I forget about it sometimes. I do need to try to think of some stuff to get going on Patreon. I just, you know, I've got a billion things. I will, I'll, I'll talk to the... Uh, I'll talk to the crew and try to make that an emphasis at the meeting this week, or I'll just I'll just talk to them in general on there and see if there's some stuff. I want to try to get some regular daily interaction with my patrons because that should be much more uh, much higher priority for me. It's just it's just tough, man. I got a lot of stuff. I got you know social media. I'm trying to do better with. Make sure I'm on doing stuff on Twitter. I'm neglecting Facebook, which I shouldn't be. I do nothing on Instagram. Fortunately, Jacob runs that for me because I am horrible at. Um, doing anything with my Instagram. So I am stretched kind of thin, but I do need to make Patreon a priority and I will I will work on making sure that each of the tiers has something interesting. I may need to rethink what exactly that means. But why don't we take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So switching gears here, I want to switch over to the draft. I found a pretty cool site. Um, one of the things I've been doing is I've been uh, working on Twitter and following people that I thought I was following and finding new accounts. There, I found some really cool uh, podcasters, some really cool shows, some really cool people, and I found a really cool site. It's amazing how many things you'll find if you just start perusing Twitter. It's kind of similar to NFL Mock Draft, whatever, where they kind of have an aggregated um, view of things, but they've, they've got a little bit of a different system here. So first of all, as far as the side-by-side, I'm kind of interested in this. Um, right off the bat, they have different consensus, which is interesting because obviously the further you go down the line, the more things get crazy. But even numbers two and three, they have switched. So on the, the consensus we've all been using on NFL Mock Draft Database, which is a great site, it's Aiden Hutchinson, then Evan Neal, then Ikem Aquanu. On um, Grinding the Mocks, it's called, they have Aiden Hutchinson, and then Ikem Aquanu, and then Evan Neal. There's, there's a lot of similarities, but as far as, you know, people that interest us, for example, Chris Olave on the um, mock draft database is 20th, on grinding the mocks is 18th. Why is that relevant? Well, it makes it even less likely we end up getting them. Now, again, I'm not as big of an Olave fan as everybody else seems to be in, in, on PackersUniverse.com, um, but it just kind of gives an even more bleak picture of that. Jamison Williams, on the other hand, which I, I think we need to start talking about a little bit more. We, we never talk about Jamison Williams, but Jamison Williams is at 18 here, grinding the mocks. He is at 21, right at about where we're drafting. By the way, Traylon Burks right there at 22, which they agree with that. They both have him at 22. So anyways, again, a slightly different thing. They got George Pickens at 40 compared to 42. Again, similar but different. But the really interesting thing is they, they've got, um, and again, the, the mock draft database has something similar, but they have the ability to look at the Green Bay Packers mock drafts and, and kind of do a breakdown of what people think the Packers are going to do. And so what you can do is you can pick a date range. So they have a default December through March now, so December 21st to March 22nd. And then you can pick uh, first round. And then there's also draft Nick type, expert, media, and fan. And I'm assuming experts are media members that are considered, you know, guys that, you know, like Daniel Jeremiah, for example, as opposed to general media bloggers, as opposed to fan mocks, which I don't even know exactly what that is, but whatever. And they aggregate all that stuff. And so if we kind of fast forward a little bit and just look at, for example, February through March, you can't do March to March. You have to pick February. So that's, that's the closest time frame I can do. Not surprisingly, wide receiver is by far the top option, and still Jahan Dotson. I don't understand. That has to be the media. Let me 
switch it real quick to fans because I'm curious. By the way, I've been very wrong about the fans and what they've been thinking, but if you switch it to fans, no, still Jahan Dotson. Who is doing this? <laughs> Maybe it's just because the media is doing it, so fans are also doing it. 21% of mock drafts in the last month have Jahan Dotson, it, just for fans. 20% Traylon Burks, 18% Chris Olave, 16% Drake London, 13% Jamison Williams. By the way, that's the top five all-wide receivers. So I've been giving the media a hard time for this, but to be completely honest, one thing I've learned is the fans are even worse. It doesn't seem that way. It must just be my circle's that are not this way, but fans are worse than the media. And I think the media is probably reacting to the fans. They want positive reaction. And I should have known this. They want the clicks. So they're just doing what the fans want. They want positive reactions, not negative reactions. And they know by putting wide receivers in there, they get positive reactions. And that's why I think you're seeing more and more, not because they believe it, but because they know if they do back-to-back wide receiver, they're going to get much more positive reaction than if they do wide receiver edge or wide receiver tackle. People are going to complain about it, which is crazy. But again, so... (laughs) 54% of fan mock drafts have wide receiver in the first round. 13% is the next highest with edge, 12% defensive tackle, 7% tackle, 4% linebacker, right? So 54% wide receiver for fans. What if you go to media? My assumption was if you look at the media, it's going to be even higher. It's not. 54% for fans. The media is at 44%. 44%. 20% defensive tackle, 15% edge, 10% tackle, and 3% cornerback. Because I don't know, I have no idea why they're so stupid. Then if you look at the experts, again, even less, 42%. So the fans, 54%. They're screaming, gotta be, gotta be, gotta be. So the media is responding and saying, okay, gotta be, gotta be, gotta be. By the way, the most drafted player by the media is Devontae Wyatt. I'm sitting here trash in the media, and I like their mocks even better. Now, number two is Jahan Dotson, but again, why do you think that is? Probably because the number one most mocked player by the fans is Jahan Dotson. So they have Devontae Wyatt, number one, Jahan Dotson, number two, Jamison Williams, number three, Garrett Wilson, number four, and Drake London, number five. Again, this site is just an aggregation. They're just pulling in mock drafts. For the fans, I didn't read it off. It's, uh, again, all wide receivers, which is hilarious. Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, Drake London, Jamison Williams in that order. 21%, I think I did say that. 21% Jahan, 20% Traylon Burks, 18% Chris Olave, 16% Drake London, 13% Jamison Williams. But then if you look at the experts, again, the lowest number of wide receivers. But if you look at their top, It is Chris Olave by quite a lot, 23.7% for Chris Olave. Number two is N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker out of Georgia. Number three, Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. Number four, Boye Mafe. Number five, Jermaine Johnson. Uh, Actually, it's a complete tie all the way down the line. It's uh, Jermaine Johnson, Trevor Penning, Traylon Burks, and Wandale Robinson, actually, at 5.3%. So I I, kind of like this site because it also... It gives you a little bit of perspective. And, and there's less mocks. That's why there's so many ties, because there are only two mocks apiece. There's less mocks because there's less experts. But it is interesting because it parses these things out as opposed to just seeing things one way. And again, it gave me some perspective on the media and why the media seems so stupid. Why does the media seem so stupid? Because fans are dumber and the media wants to appeal to fans. And, and I, I've said this before, all the drama and all the stuff, and this is true in politics as well as everything else, it's not so much that they're poisoning the American people. I mean, yes, in a sense, but really all they're doing is giving us what we want. We're the toxic ones. If we wanted good news, if we didn't want to fight, if we didn't want to hate each other, we wouldn't get that news. If we wanted just great news about puppies being rescued out of trees, if that made them millions of dollars, that's what they'd give us. But that's not what we want. We're the messed up ones. Why is the media so stupid in in the... uh, in the NFL community, doing back-to-back wide receivers and constantly drafting Jahan Dotson, that makes no sense. Because the number one most drafted player by the fans is Jahan Dotson, and the fans only want wide receivers. The top five most drafted prospects for the Packers from the fans are all wide receivers. We're the stupid ones. The media gives us what we want. The experts, on the other hand, are probably the better way to look at this because... And, and I don't think the Chris Olave uh, draft here is appealing to the fans, although it clearly does. I just think they're looking at it as make them, it makes the most sense. Again, the, the next one, two, three, four guys, five guys on this list are not wide receivers. You got to go all the way down to uh, six and seven to get Traylon Burks. And Wandale Robinson is the, only, is the next highest, and there's two of them, which means all these other guys at most is one. Jamison Williams, George Pickens. I mean, if there's any, I'm just saying it, it's one. 
So, and it's it's interesting too, because you look at a lot of these names and you think, no way. I mean, Devontae Wyatt, obviously I'm a massive fan of. The fact that the media has them has him as their number one prospect makes me just suddenly realize I, I, I owe the media a massive apology. I love you guys. Experts as well. Chris Olave, Nicobe Dean, Devontae Wyatt, Boye Mafia, Jermaine Johnson, by the way, massively underrated prospect. If he gets anywhere near where we're drafting, if we move up a little bit to get Jermaine Johnson, most of Pack, most Packer fans are going to be mad. I'm going to be doing backflips. I love that guy. Freaking love that guy. The only reason he's not really talked about much is because he's expected to be gone. But so is Chris Olave. We still talk about him. Drake London supposedly is going to be gone. He's he's now up as one of the highest. He, he, some people think he's going to be the first one gone. May not make it out of the top 10, according to some people. We still talk about Drake because you never know. So anyways, I, I did find that interesting. Um... It'd be fun to kind of, I wish you could refine the time period a little bit more. It would be kind of interesting, but I do, I like what they're doing here. Uh, again, this is grinding the mocks. Um, it's, you're, you're just going to have to Google it because the address is, is crazy. Grinding the mocks dot, dot shin yaps, shinny apps dot io slash dashboard. Just, just look for grinding the mocks, but pretty cool thing here. Fun to play with. They've also got a prospects trends chart, which is actually quite a bit better than the one that um, NFL mocks or whatever it's called has. Um, you can click on it and it shows a trend line from a long time ago and you can pick up to, I think, three prospects. So I did that with wide receiver at one point. I was going to post it on Twitter to kind of show it. Um, the meteoric rise of Drake London is pretty, pretty staggering, but it's just a fun resource for people that are looking for new and better draft stuff. I mean, he didn't reach out and he's clearly not paying me for this or anything. I just want to give a shout out to a cool site. But anyways, I, I wanted to add a, an additional thing. You know what? Let's let's wait on that because since we're here, let's let's do this. Why don't we do some mock drafts? Now that we gave the media credit, let's let's actually look at their mock drafts and start hating them again. <laughs> again, it's just kind of a fun thing to keep an eye on and see um, what's going on out there in the world of mock drafts. Um, there were several yesterday, but I want to keep it with the five that maybe you can consider experts. I don't know. I, I well, I'm pretty sure some of these are not, but they're the more well-known sites. So, for example, Sports Illustrated had a mock draft yesterday. Uh, John Shipley did the mock. At pick 22, not interestingly, he has the Packers taking Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. He says, few teams need a wide receiver as badly as the Green Bay Packers. Following the Devontae Adams trade, the Packers roster is left devoid of high-end talent on the outside. Traylon Burks may not be an instant impact player due to some raw points to his game, but he has the size and speed to justify the first-round gamble. Now, that description alone makes me not super excited about him because we need instant impact, but fair enough. And then he follows that up at 28 with edge rusher David Ajabo. He says, not every team can afford to invest a first-round pick in Michigan edge rusher David Ajabo after his pre-draft injury, but the Packers are an exception. They have a roster that could stomach a first-round pick not playing in 2022, especially on the defensive side. Ajabo makes sense for the Packers in a post-Preston Smith world in the near future. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I, I have two major objections with that. Number one, you just took a wide receiver you told me might not have a big year one impact on a team that you said needs massive wide receiver impact. And then you followed up with an edge rusher that might not play at all. You have two first round picks making almost no impact in year one in a team that is in all in territory, right? Granted, we've been all in for like three years, but the point is it, it is, it, it is a win now mentality. here. So if you want to do one or the other, fine, but somebody has to produce today. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with the Ojabo thing, but I also kind of disagree because in a sense, yes, we have two pass rushers so we can survive. And then next year, you know, we'll, we won't have Preston and we will have Ojabo, but it'll be his first year and he's just coming off injury. And on top of that, we do need edge rushers right now. As I said, we rotate very heavily and to rotate and not even address the potential for injury, but just to rotate the, the talent drops off significantly. And, and, we don't have anybody because the guy we drafted is injured. So um, I, to some extent, understand the logic of it, but I, I, I would say I don't appreciate the mock all that much. If I had to give it a grade, let's call it a C-. minus. The, the wide receiver edge combo is great. It's fine. But your specific reasoning made this even worse. If you wouldn't have given me that line about Traylon Burks, if you would have told me he's going to be an instant impact player, I would have probably bumped that up to like a C plus or something. I don't know. Next up, we have a mock by um, James Fragosa over at Pro Football Network. I don't know anything about James, but I do like Pro Football Network, so I'll give them um, the you know chance to prove that you're kind of experts, I guess. It's mostly just I like Tony Pauline, but anyways. At pick 22, Traylon Burks. I know, I know. 
The Packers love bigger receivers that can run slants. Do they? Is that a thing? I don't know about that thing. I'll have to, I'll have to defer to the, the uh, film grinders. Traylon Burks is your guy at number 22. His combine performance left much to be desired, but Burks possesses a powerful lower body with easy movability. His side-speed combination will cause mismatches, and Aaron Rodgers needs a new target with Devontae Adams as a Raider. All right, fair enough. At 28, Nicobe Dean, linebacker out of Georgia. I dig it. I, mostly at this point, I just want something different. Now I just need a good argument. Let's see what he says. Chris Barnes has performed admirably as an undrafted rookie. I guess. But the Packers must upgrade at linebacker. Nicobe Dean will get knocked for his size and not testing at the Combine or Georgia's Pro Day. However, the tape doesn't lie. Dean is actually my LB1 overloid due to his otherworldly instincts, knowledge of offensive schemes, and movement skills coming downhill and sideline to sideline. Now, he didn't mention the linebacker that we have, Devondre Campbell, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he knows he's here and recognizes that, I mean, it would have, again, I got to fill in the blanks for him to up his grade, I guess. But the reason I like guys like N'Kobe Dean is because of, despite all these other things, his size, et cetera, et cetera, you've got Devondre there. And so that will allow Dean to presumably operate in, in, with what he does. It'll give Devondre more of an opportunity to just do Devondre stuff, and it'll give Dean the opportunity to just do Dean stuff. So I'm not opposed to this at all. And, I, and, and again, a lot of people are going to say, well, no, the Packers never take linebackers in the first round. Again, I don't think that's a hard and fast rule. I think it comes down to value, and generally the Packers, and, and most teams, don't value linebackers as much as other positions. So when it comes time for them to pick, very rarely is linebacker the lone player at the top of their board. And if there is a linebacker on par with another receiver, for example, an edge rusher or a tackle or something else that is a bigger need and a more high-priority position, they're always going to go with that other position. So it's not true that they just refuse to take linebackers or that they they just never do it. It's that the odds that there's ever going to be an opportunity where it's the best option for the Packers is very low. But I, I think in this scenario, we're, we're assuming that it is the best scenario, and we're talking about four picks in the first two days, giving them a little bit more leeway to make these kinds of picks. Again, do I think they're going to? No, I don't think they're going to. But I also don't think that the Packers are going to look at it and go, ew, I'm never taking a linebacker in the first round. That That's some rule that they have plastered up in the draft room, in the war room. Don't draft line, linebacker in the first round. I don't think that's a thing. There's no plaque. Um, first time I've seen a mock from the Huddle Report. Huddle Report, by the way, I completely forgot the name of it. I've been trying to find this. Um, but um, very, very good resource. And now that I know the name of the website, I will be digging some stuff up on there, and we're going to have some fun with that. But um, Brian Johannes, I think, is the guy that runs this. Looks like they overhauled the website, too, if I... Well, uh, yeah, I think they did. Anyways, um, he did a mock draft, presumably maybe his first, because I think they give you the option to look at um, other ones that they've done, and I don't see any. And I always like guys that, you know, really fly under the radar and do a good job in getting things correct and also wait until later. They don't have like December and January mock draft. It doesn't start until a month from the draft. I, I always respect those guys because they're the ones that take accuracy seriously. It's not just about clicks. It's about accuracy. And with his draft, and he doesn't have any explanation, but I want to do it anyways because, again, I, I like the site. I respect Brian. At pick 22, he has them taking Traylon Burks wide receiver. At pick 28, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle, Georgia. If that's the combination, despite everything I've said about Traylon Burks, and again, I'm not anti-Burks. I just have some reservations about Burks that, that make me wonder if it's the pick for the Packers, is all I'm really saying. If they take the pick, then all my concerns go out the window. And what they're saying is, no, we don't view him as just a slot guy. No, we don't think his athleticism is a concern. No, we don't see him as an Amari Rodgers replacement. He's going to be a boundary receiver. He's got the speed to play and win on the outside, and we got some fun stuff designed for him, and I'm going to get super excited about that. The only thing I'm really saying is not that I dislike Traylon Burks. It's that I, I wonder, based on the things, based on a couple things, that the Packers maybe don't like him as much as people think that they might like him. That's ultimately what I'm saying. But again, if they draft him, that's not the case anymore. So... The second they draft, and, and the only reason I continue to emphasize and explain that is because if they draft him and I start getting excited, I, I don't want everyone just screaming, you're a hypocrite. You said he was garbage. That's not the reality. That's not what I said. I'm saying I don't think that's going to be the pick because I, I think this isn't exactly what they're looking for right now. Despite the fact that he seems to fit the exact prototype of what they're looking for is a big body receiver. At this point, I don't think that's what they're looking for. In fact, one of the things I said that I wanted to elaborate on a little bit more, but I don't think we're going to do that today. 
with Matt LaFleur saying we need to really look at speed, I think we need to revisit Jamison Williams. I know his size is not exactly what a lot of people have been looking at, but they fought real hard to get MVS back and and almost did something stupid. Apparently, they were they were up to the wire and were probably going to offer him way too much money. Fortunately, the Chiefs stole him away. But the fact that they are that desperate for a guy like MVS because of his speed, I don't know that Jamison doesn't kind of need to be moved up our board a little bit because although there is a lot of speed in this draft, if you look at sub 4-4 guys, not that it has to be sub 4-4, but if you're just talking about guys that can run a 4-4, I mean, there's, that's, that's half the league. If you're talking about real top-end speed, if you're looking at sub 4-4 guys, there's really not that massive of a number. And yes, Olave is on that list. Um, but if, if you take the, well, let's, let's look at it. I can give you a number. And again, some guys didn't run, and, and they, I'm sure they have top-end speed, not that they know exactly that it's a 4-3 or a 4-2 guy or whatever. But there's maybe one or two that didn't run that they can assume. By the way, Jamison Williams is that guy. He's presumed to run a 4-3-9-40, but it's not really known. Um, NFL Draft Buzz has his 40 time around a 4-2-5. There were reports that he ran a 4-3-9 at Alabama somewhere. And, and again, that's one of those things that I don't know the circumstances, but usually when the combine comes up, you do specific, very, very specific testing or, or training. Meaning if you're, if you're just... If you're at Alabama and you're going to test a 40 time, you're not doing like a month of 40 time training. So if you can run a 439 just kind of on the spot, if you're going to train for a month to really hone in that, that 40 time, you probably get that down below that. So the assumption is Jamison Williams. But again, that, that just goes to show there are other people that can probably do it that aren't on this list. But here is the entire list of sub 44 guys. You got Chris Olave, um, potentially gone. Garrett Wilson, very much probably gone at 438. You got Christian Watson at 436, who we don't even know if they really like Christian Watson, small school guy, et cetera, et cetera. Bo Melton, now we're getting into later round guys. Danny Gray ran a 433. Melton was 434. Calvin Austin, again, 5'8, 170. I don't know if he's on their list at 432. Uh, Valus Jones, 6'204, seems to fit perfectly, but he's kind of, again, a later round guy. You know, it kind of gets to be that MVS territory where if you just want a guy that's fast and that's it, and I'm sure there's a couple guys that you could pick up. Um, and Tyquan Thornton is uh, 6'2", 181, ran a 4'2", So these are the the guys that actually ran that are sub 4'4", guys. It's eight people, and two of them are gone, so we're t- potentially gone. So we're talking about maybe six outside of Jamison Williams who may be there. And if you're talking about getting a real, true first-round talent, and, and it's similarly... Again, my issue with Jamison Williams is if you're just a speed guy, I don't really want you in the first round. You have to be more than that. And I don't know that he is, but just given their renewed emphasis on speed, it kind of made me think there's one guy that is a consistent first round prospect that almost no Packer fan ever talks about. We talk about Drake London a ton. We talk about Traylon Burks a ton. We talk about Garrett Wilson a little bit. We talk about Chris Olave endlessly. We even talk about other guys like uh, Watson, who's considered a mid to maybe late second round pick. We talk about Pickens, who's also considered a second round pick. Jamison Williams is a guy that's sitting right at about 20, right where we're going to pick in that first first round pick. And maybe he doesn't make it because the NFL covets speed, but whatever. I'm just saying we should probably revisit that and, and give it a second look and, and view it through the prism of the Packers are desperate for an MVS type guy and potentially the best true MVS player might be Jamison Williams. Is it thundering outside? What is happening? Oh, that's right. It's supposed to warm up today. I bet that is a storm. It's almost 40 degrees outside. I'm so happy. It's been so cold lately, man. It barely seen 40. It's 434 in the morning and it's almost 40 degrees. I don't even care that it's raining. It's going to be uh, 56, son. Raining all day. Oh, and then snowing. <laughs> that's lovely. But anyways, it's just something to think about, something to contemplate. I don't know. I, generally, Jameson Williams doesn't really strike me as anything interesting, doesn't strike me as somebody the Packers would want, especially in the first round, because I think he's just a straight-line speed guy. Could be wrong. Generally, those guys don't really super pan out in the NFL. But again, something to consider. Anyways, uh, last couple of mock drafts here. We've also got, um, I'm going to save that one because he's probably considered one of the experts. I'm going to go with CBS's Will Brinson. Maybe he's considered an expert, but he sh- certainly shouldn't be. No offense to Will Brinson. I don't even think he would consider himself an expert. If you ever listen to the CBS um, podcast that they do, which is, it is entertaining. I like it. They, you know, of, of the very few podcasts I actually listen to that are NFL related, theirs is one of them. And I don't really know why. Partially because they're, they do a lot of breaking podcasts. So it's very up-to-date type stuff. 
But um, Will Brinson is the last one on that panel that you would consider an expert. And maybe it's just the way he talks. He's got this very thick, like, California-style accent, which I think has a similar connotation to, like, Southern accents, which is unfair, granted. But I think there's just something... It's kind of like the opposite of what happens when somebody has a British accent. You just assume that they know more than you. I think when somebody talks like this, I can't even do it. I don't, it's just, it's a very, very thick California surfer type of, it's not even so much surfer. I don't know. It's just weird. But he, he just, everything about him just kind of, it's almost like his demeanor. He plays himself off as being kind of a dummy. He's probably really smart. Anyways, <laughs> at pick 22, shock of the century, Traylon Burks. He says, very curious to see if the Packers trade up for one of the premier wideouts, but regardless, they've got to draft one here. Anything else would be outrageous given their depth chart. Okay, so you, you're starting off with a C minus grade. Anything else is not outrageous, you absolute j- jagwad. Jeez. I'm sorry. I, I like him. You're not a jagwad. You're a nice guy, but that is so stupid. Anything else would be outrageous? You're telling me if they take a, a wide receiver at pick 28, it's out. What if they get Traylon Burks at pick 28? Is it still outrageous? Again, the. This, this, we're bringing this thing full circle. This has less to do with actually fixing the problem and more to do with demonstrating that you're trying. It doesn't matter. And this is what I've said a thousand times with a bunch of other, like with Jordan Love, with that pick, we can go back and demonstrate that almost anybody they would have picked in that spot would have been a bad pick. T Higgins is the only one that seems to be a decent wide receiver, but no, he would not have helped us win a Super Bowl or anything like that. It just would have been a better wide receiver. Now, certainly in this position, it would be nice to have him. But that's one guy. But the point is, it's not about actually picking the right person. If we would have picked Patrick Queen, everybody would have been happy. Not because it's a good pick. Not because he's a good player. He's not. He's terrible. He's horrific. But again, it doesn't matter. The point is, demonstrate that you care. Show me that you want to do what I think you should do. It's not about picking players that are actually going to help our team. That's secondary to posturing that you really want to try hard. It's the same with go out and get a vet. Go out and get a vet. Who? Go out and get a vet. If we, if we bring in anybody, there, are, there is a large, I mean, there's, there's a large portion of people that will complain, but there really are a large contingent of people that just want them to do something because something's better than nothing. And I'm here to tell you, no, it's not. I'm so sick of that mentality, not just in football, but in everything. Well, it's, what are we just going to do nothing? Yes. If doing something doesn't do anything, then we shouldn't do something. That was one of my biggest objections to a lot of the COVID things we did. Well, that doesn't actually fix the problem. Yeah, but it's better than doing nothing. No, it's not. Forcing me to do something that I don't want to do that doesn't fix the problem is not better than not doing that. You jag off. And again, that's what Will Brinson is doing here. It's exactly what he's doing. I don't know anything about Traylon Burks. I don't know if this is the right pick, but they got to do something. He literally says that, but regardless, they've got to draft one here. No, they don't. What if they don't like Traylon Burks? What if he doesn't fit what they want to do? What if they think he's not a good... What if they, in their mind, on, his, on their board, based on his athleticism and his profile, what if they think he's like a, a third-round pick? Again, it doesn't matter. I don't care if he's a third-round pick. Take Traylon Burks because you have to do something here. You have to take a wide receiver here. If you don't, it's outrageous. That entire mentality is so stupid. It is so foreign. It is so outside anything that any competent NFL person would, would say. Anybody that lives and breathes NFL football should never say any sentence like that. There is never a circumstance... Like, go up to the top of the draft with the quarterbacks being as bad as they are. Can you imagine saying that with the Lions and quarterback? Jared Goff is not the answer. I don't know if any of these quarterbacks are any good, but you've got to do something. If you don't take a quarterback here, that is that is an abomination. That would be stupid because that's not the question. The question is, is there a quarterback at pick two that is a good value at pick two that is going to be the quarterback of the future? If the answer is no, you don't take one. If the answer is yes, you do take one. It's not true that we don't have one, therefore we need one, therefore if you don't do it, it's an abomination. I'm so tired of it. I'm so sick and tired of that mentality, and I see it every single day from fans. Whether it's about bringing in a vet, bring in a vet, you gotta bring in a vet, the Packers are failing because they're not bringing in a vet. Which vet? I don't know, any of them. No, I'm sorry, no. Who is it? Why do they want them? What's the cost? How much do they want? Are they even available? These are questions you're not allowed to ask. Don't ask questions, just go do it. 
Show that you care. In fact, if we gave up more draft capital and more money, I think people would be more excited because it shows that you care. We just want you to show, just show me that you want to do something. Just demonstrate to me. I don't give a crap if our team is any good or if they're bad. Just show that you care. No, you know what? And this is why the Packers get so much crap because they don't do what the media and the fans say. They don't do things that are going to show you they care. They pick the best player in the best spot and it's a successful formula and it's why they've been a successful winning team for 30 years. Because they don't bend to the whims of, let's just demonstrate that we want to do the right thing. Here's a gap. Here's a hole. Let's go fill it with any random bum. We need a linebacker. Let's waste a pick on a garbage linebacker. Because although there's really no value in linebackers, and this guy really isn't that good, and there's a massive amount of concern on whether or not he can play, we just want to go get a linebacker, so we're going to go get a linebacker. And everybody thinks that that's a great pick. Everybody loves those picks. And they almost never pan out. And nobody cares. And the Packers pick people like A.J. Dillon, and everybody says it's stupid, and it pans out, and everyone just ignores it and pretends like it didn't happen, and we sure as heck aren't going to learn anything from it. God forbid we learn from it and look back on that and say, you know what? Maybe we don't know. Maybe just filling gaps because it's filling gaps. By the way, go back and look at the players drafted around the time that A.J. Dillon was drafted. You know what would have made people a lot happier is if we had ended up with Denzel Mims. You know what Denzel Mims is doing these days? Neither do I. How about Van Jefferson? The Rams took Van Jefferson at 57. Granted, he didn't fall to us. Maybe we would have taken him if that was a spot. But the point is, what are these guys doing? K.J. Hamler went at 46. I was a huge K.J. Hamler fan. The guy's been a bum. If he fell and we would have taken him, we would have been happy. And nobody would go back and complain about it. Well, some people would because they love to complain about everything the Packers do. But the point is, people would have done backflip if we backflips if we got K.J. Hamler at 62. They mocked and laughed and, and, and ridiculed at 62 when we took a running back. And now, K.J. Hamler... Van Jefferson, Denzel Mims are doing jack squat. A.J. Dillon is maybe one of the best running backs in football via PFF. I think via DVOA also, one of the highest ranked running backs in all of football that is yet to be unleashed. He's basically Rashawn Gary. He's just a ball of talent that hasn't been unleashed yet for various reasons. Number one reason being we have Aaron Jones taking a significant amount of snaps. And number two, we have an offensive line that can't run block to save their lives. If that changes, he's going to showcase his talent to the world and he's going to blow, light this world on fire. By the way, Lynn Bowden and Brian Edwards uh, and Devin Duvernay were wide receivers that went after. Also guys that would have been very, you know, people would have been excited about. Why? Because just show us that you care. Show us that you want to do something. Don't just draft the best available player. Don't grab A.J. Dillon because he's the highest on your board. You don't need that, even though you kind of do because Jamal is leaving and Aaron Jones, we didn't know if he would be able to assign him to an extension, even though we did. And even now that we did, he's probably still not going to be here for too much longer. But it's not an immediate need. We don't need him this year, so don't draft him. So fans think, and I'm just, I'm just exhausted with it. And again, when the media does it, by the way, Will Brinson officially not an expert, because any expert that would say that is just gets stripped immediately of that title. Anyways, um, should we get to his second pick? <laughs> At pick 28, he has Trevor Penning, offensive lineman, Northern Iowa. The Packers could definitely go with a second wideout. Oh my gosh, just I, I wanted to give you credit so much. Stop sticking your fat foot in your own mouth. Packers could definitely go with a second wideout instead of bolstering the offensive line, but there's value with Penning here, and maybe the Packers can kick it down the curb at number 53 for a second wideout. Okay. Well, D minus for your freaking mock draft. Just be glad I didn't fail you because you got us a tackle, which I still don't even know that that's a good pick, but I'll, I'll give you a modicum of something. D minus. Now, Bucky Brooks, who I will say is an expert. Please don't let me know. I haven't looked at this yet. We're doing this on the fly. I'm scared to keep scrolling. I'm at 18. Saints took uh, Trevor Penning, by the way. All right, let's do this. First of all, should we just say it? Is it Traylon Burks? Should we just acknowledge that that's what it is? It's not! Bernard Raymond! <laughs> Offensive tackle. I'm so happy. I know everybody hates that pick because he's old and it's a small school and all that, but I'm, I'm just, it's not Traylon Burks. Ayo for the expert. The Packers are not afraid to invest in their offensive line with top picks. Hey, sounds like he actually pays attention. Having chosen two, Josh Myers and Elton Jenkins in round two, I also love when people do that because it shows that they've done their homework and actually pay attention. See, when your job is to be a full-time pay attention to what happens in the NFL, I kind of expect you to know this stuff. Bucky knows this stuff. Thank you, Bucky. Thank you. Have chosen two, Josh Myers and Elton Jenkins in round two with the last three drafts. As a former tight end turned offensive tackle, showing knowledge of the prospects, which half of these guys don't have. Raymond is a nimble athlete with a balance of body control to hand athletic rushers on the handle athletic rushers on the edges. All of that makes perfect sense. I know there's there's gripes about Bernard Raymond. I'm just saying it's an unusual pick. So he's he's it's and I don't think he's doing it to be unusual. I think he's 
demonstrated that he has an understanding of the Packers, understanding what the Packers look for with athleticism, understanding of what the Packers have done in the past, and understanding of who Bernard, Bernard Raymond is. By the way, it feels like a Packers pick because it's one of those that they take him and everyone just kind of goes, oh, all right, that's fine, I guess. I mean, we got ourselves excited about all these other guys, but, you know, no, it's, it's great. He's a great tackle. That's cool. And then at pick 28, the Packers select Christian Watson. If the Packers break from tradition and add a pass catcher in round one for the first time since 2002, Watson could be the pick as a long rangy player with speed and sticky hands. I also think that makes perfect sense. Why? He fits the, the profile as far as his body type. And he's a speed guy, which the Packers have been looking for. I know Christian Watson is not seen as necessarily a first-round pick, but the Packers very often take guys that are expected to be mid-second-round guys in the first round. And usually when they are, what are they? They're massive athletic freaks like Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes was a mid-second-round prospect. And as soon as they took that pick, you look at it and go, we should have seen that coming. If the Packers took Christian Watson at 28, every single one of us would say, that actually makes perfect sense. We should have all seen this coming. How do we not know since day one that was the pick? Thank you, Bucky. You have redeemed yourself A+. Not even necessarily because of the picks. It wouldn't be my picks, but just an A-plus mock overall for not just following what everybody else says, for not just pandering to fans, for thinking outside the box, but not just thinking outside the box for the sake of thinking outside the box. Actually having thoughtful, every, every one, each of those picks makes perfect sense. An extremely athletic offensive tackle in the first round and a wide receiver that fits every single checkbox for the Packers on top of being a mid-second round prospect, which the Packers love to do. A-plus for Bucky Brooks. Anyways, um, I'm going to leave it at that. I did have a very, very good question from Zach that I was going to answer today. The question is, who is one player we'd be happy to see the Lions or Vikings take in round one? I think that's a great question, and we will uh, hopefully try to entertain that tomorrow. We're just out of time today. But uh, a fun one to think about. I may even try to remember to post that on Patreon um, just as, you know, just kind of get the gears turning and whatnot. But anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.